Today, we begin to look at the book of Philippians. And for those who have been part of the Exeter Christian Reformed Church for at least three years, we've heard a sermon series uh, in 2017 from the perspective of discipleship. Now, with 2020 vision that we have, uh, you may hear some similar references, but this time we're taking it from the perspective uh, with the theme of joy and peace. We heard about the theme of joy being kicked off in the children's message. Joy and peace in the gospel, despite our circumstances, whether those circumstances are COVID-19 or other challenges that people are going through at this time in life. Now, some historical context to get us familiar with the book of Philippians. This book was written to the apostle, uh, by the Apostle Paul, rather, and Paul wrote this letter while he was likely um, in prison in Rome. He was in isolation from much of the world. But that didn't stop him from being part of the church. Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, and it's in Acts 16, actually, where we learn about the beginning of this church. It was around 50 AD. Paul was on his second missionary journey, along with Silas. And according to Acts 16, Paul and Silas were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they finally reached the coast of Troas, where Paul had a vision of a Macedonia fellow begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. You can read that in Acts 16, verse 9. Paul discerned this as God's call for him to leave Asia and to travel to Philippi. Philippi was the first place in Europe for the gospel to be preached. So for those who have European Christian roots, this is where it all began for Europe. Acts 16, a prompting by the Holy Spirit for Paul to be in Europe rather than Asia. And when Paul arrived in Philippi, there was no church building that was needed to preach in. He just simply preached by the river. He preached to a group of women. One was Lydia, who received the gospel message, and she and her whole household were baptized. And Paul and his companions then were invited to stay at Lydia's house. So this letter, as we go through Philippians, This letter to the Philippian church is one of encouragement. It is a letter to encourage people, yes, to be disciples of Jesus, but also to encourage people to have joy and peace. It encourages people as old believers, new believers, or soon-to-be believers to either grow or seek out a relationship with the Lord. And as we follow Jesus, we share in our unity And be joyful that we are Christians, that we are forgiven sinners, that we are saints in Christ Jesus. So this morning we'll read from Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. And before we do, let's come to God in prayer. Father God, holy God, gracious God, we thank you for your word that was preached centuries ago and remains relevant even today, in 2020. So bless the reading and the preaching, the listening, and open our hearts to what the Holy Spirit of Jesus is prompting us to say and to do and to live out in our lives today. It's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, Together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I think it's fair to say that most people have stress and anxiety in their lives. And often stresses and anxiety can easily suck out the joy and peace from our lives. We saw that, that we don't want to be like that pop balloon. The Mental Health Association came up with a stress test for people. And I apologize for those who are visually impaired because this is a sight test. In a moment, on the screen, we will show a picture of two dolphins jumping out of the water. And studies show that some people will see two identical dolphins. And if they do, they are typically not stressed. But those who are under stress, you will see, begin to see slight differences, depending on how much stress you have. So Sylvia and Gerard, will you please show the two dolphins? Again, seeing two identical dolphins means you have no stress. And if there is a slight difference in the picture that you're seeing, you may have somewhat increasing levels of stress. (laughs) I guess uh, I have some stress in my life, and you probably do as well. We're just having a little fun here, of course. But extra stress and unhealthy anxiety are often not fun. Again, they seem to deplete the joy and peace in our lives. Paul had a lot of anxiety and stress. He had a lot of challenges in his life. You can read them in in Corinthians. And and, and so did the Philippian church have a lot of challenges in their church. And as we study the book of Philippians, Paul says, despite the difficult circumstances, our joy and peace does not have to be correlated to the stress and anxiety. As our anxiety and stress and challenges go up, our joy and peace don't have to go down. They can be along with the anxieties and the stress. So let's dissect the opening of the verses, of opening verses of this letter, verses 1 through 11. We're going to dissect them somewhat through this uh, sermon today. And I think the first bit of joy out of this book of Philippians comes to us from verse 1. Paul and Timothy, they're working close together. We all need partners in ministry. Maybe it's a spouse or perhaps another, another family member or perhaps it's a close friend or colleague. We are created for community. And even this time, in this time of COVID-19, when physical community is discouraged and social distancing is a norm, we cannot deny that we continue to be people of community. Even our time of Sunday morning worship, with, with only five people here, but so many more out there, our goal remains to be connecting people together 
as community and trusting that this connecting that's going on is what brings glory to God in our worship. And so even in our isolation and in prison, Paul had partners in ministry. And we're going to look at this partners in ministry a little further towards the end of the message again. But as we go on in this letter, Paul refers himself and to Timothy as servants. Now, this word servant is often looked at as a slave-like term. But it's not a servant or slave in a restrictive position. But being a servant or slave to the Lord Jesus Christ is a privilege. It is a joy. And this kind of servanthood or, or slavery brings about freedom. When Paul refers to himself and Timothy as servants, he's looking to his master. He's looking to his master, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, who died for Paul and for Timothy, for each of us. The master is the one who's, who's been the greatest servant. Now, today, too often, Christianity gets a bad rap for having so many restrictions and rules. And it's like being in prison, some people might think, and, and like being a, a, just a slave in a negative way. But people, being a Christian is freedom. It is new life in Christ. And as a slave or, or servant to his master, Paul belongs to his master, to Jesus. We too belong to Jesus in body and soul, in life and in death. We are to be servants to our Master, to our Lord. And despite anxieties, despite circumstances, despite challenges, this ought to bring us joy and peace. Paul continues his letter to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter to Paul whether you are Jew or Gentile, Asian, European, Indigenous, Afro-American, Caucasian, there are no distinctions in Christ. There is only unity and community. He writes to God's holy people in Christ Jesus. And he, Paul sends greetings to the holy ones, to the saints, to the set-apart ones. People who are set apart for a purpose. Holy people are set apart by God and for God. God has graced his holy people with forgiveness of sins through his son, Jesus Christ. It is God who made us holy through Christ. It is God who has taken us from the status of sinner to forgiven sinner. And even to saint. Thanks be to God. Despite any anxieties or difficult circumstances, this too can continue to result in joy and peace in the lives of God's people. And Paul is praying for his people. He's praying for his people in Philippi. And in that prayer, he reminds the people that God began a good work. He began a good work in them. We read that in verse 5. And God will carry it out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then in verse 7, Paul states how people share in God's grace. And recall again in the greeting, Paul extends God's grace and his peace to you. People of God, we are extended God's grace and peace in the beginning of the worship services as well. And these phrases and these words are all reminders that God is working in his people, that God is initiating his love and his promises, that God is initiating his grace and his peace upon his people. Now when scripture talks about peace, 
it doesn't mean tranquility or calmness. It often speaks of peace from the perspective of a war. We have peace from the war of sin. We have peace with our relationship with God. And this peace is referred to in Romans 5, verse 1, where Paul states that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this peace, this new relationship, is between us and God. Sin distorted that relationship. But through the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus, the relationship between God and us has been reconciled. There is no war. There is only peace between God and us. Despite our anxieties, despite our circumstances in our lives, despite sin in this world, we can still have joy and peace through Jesus Christ. God extends his peace to us. And people, he extends his grace to us. And I think it's important to understand grace. And so I'm going to use an illustration that I've probably used before and you've probably seen before, but I'm going to use it anyways. I'm going to first sanitize my hands here. So what I have here with me is a $50 bill. Now, I've put this $50 bill in a plastic bag. And now grace is that I would give you this money for no reason at all. You didn't earn it. You didn't ask for it. I'm just going to give it to you, plain and simple. Now, unfortunately, I cannot fulfill this promise of grace to you for two reasons. Firstly, cash has been deemed kind of gross at this time, especially with COVID-19. And we really don't want to be transacting with it. The second reason is that we are physically distanced from one another. You're not here, so I'm unable to finish this grace transaction with you. Oh, sure, you're probably saying, well, why don't you just e-transfer us? Well, for the purpose of this illustration, there's no e-transfer, okay, folks? So it was gracious of me to offer you this $50 bill. Now, Adrian is sitting right here in the congregation. He's starting to smile. And he might be thinking, well, I'm here. Choose me. Well, okay, so I am going to complete this transaction. So Adrian, this $50 is yours, and I'm going to just put it aside here for later, and you can come up here and grab that $50 bill later on. It's yours. No conditions. And actually, I had... Adrian chosen, even before he was thinking anything or even saying anything, or smiling as he was. And people, that's grace. You see, sin isolated us from God. Sin created this physical distance between us and God. Sin is like that money that I was showing you. It's gross to deal with. And you can appreciate it if God said that he wanted nothing to do with our sin. But God ensured that he was not going to, God ensured that sin, rather, was not going to wreck the relationship that he has with us. And so God began this transaction with his people. He didn't make any excuses or hesitations like I did. And he was going to see it out to the end. Wherever you are located, whatever your situation, out of amazing grace, God completed the transaction. And out of his amazing grace, God sent his one and only son to this earth to seek and to save the lost. He chose you long before 
any of you may have said, pick me, choose me. And he even chose those who didn't even ask to be chosen, which is probably most of us, because we didn't ask for this. We did nothing to earn this. This has all come from God. This has all been initiated from God. Grace. Amazing grace. And people, I know it's hard to receive things for free sometimes, but just receive his free and abundant and amazing grace. Jesus, who came down as God to this earth. Jesus, who emptied himself and became poor so that we can become rich. Jesus, who went to the cross and rose from the dead. Jesus, who gave himself up so that we can experience the glorious riches and life in Christ. In Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, we read these words, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. People, this grace has been given to us freely on account of nothing that we've done, but all on account of what God has done through his son, Jesus. Despite any anxieties or difficult circumstances, grace continues to be offered to God's people, and that gives us joy and peace. Verses 7 to 8. Again, Paul is isolated from his church, from his community. He's feeling the pain. Paul is expressing his longing for his people, and yet he continues to be in prison, on his own, not able to connect with his fellow believers. And yet together, we are the community. And we share each other's joys and sorrows. And Paul sends this letter. We share in God's grace. Together we know that God does not give up on his people nor on his church. And God will continue to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Now it might be difficult to understand and even believe that right now. Being in the circumstances that we are with COVID-19 or, or other difficulties in your lives. But God will continue to use his people and his church for his glory. You see this here around me here is not the church. You are the church, and God has extended his grace and his peace and his joy to you, his people, his church. The church continues to be on a journey. COVID-19 cannot close a church. New York Times article this week, of all places, New York Times article this week had as its title, If liquor stores are essential, why isn't church? Well, firstly, the church may appear to be non-essential. And yes, our doors, they remain locked. But the church has not been closed. Only the church building has been closed. The church is alive and well. And the liquor stores may have a spirit contained in a bottle. But people, our spirit is not contained in a bottle. Our spirit of Jesus is in us. And God has graced each of us with his Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not done with his people or his church. And I have been blessed to hear and see the church at work in many different ways in the last few weeks. And I hope that you have been blessed by seeing it. And I hope you have been blessed by being part of it. And I know that many of you are part of it. God continues to work through his church and his people. 
God continues to extend his peace and joy and grace to you, his people, his church, despite any anxiety, despite any circumstances, despite whether you saw one dolphin or two dolphins or none. God is in control. And he is the head of his church. And his church is still essential. And his church is open for business. Often you will hear me say the phrase that God initiates, and the second part of that phrase, very straightforward, we respond. God initiates, we respond. A follower of Christ does not just end with knowing that God initiates. A follower of Christ is called to respond. And not because, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to respond. No, but because that's what we want to do on account of what God has done for us. It's our response, just kind of like breathing. In this chapter, Paul talks about a few things, how we can respond. But one thing that he emphasizes, and that I want to focus on just briefly, is again what I brought up in the beginning of this sermon, is that we are partners in the gospel, verse 3. And being a partner in the gospel is a tall order. But all of this can be done because God is at work in us. Remember the balloon that didn't pop? Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit in us. As Paul states, we need to work together and to be partners in the gospel from the first day until now. We're to be partners from the beginning to the end. This means in the good times and in the tough times. You know what? The devil is probably having a heyday right now. The devil is attempting for each of us to focus on the darkness in this world. And sometimes, you know, it is sometimes easier to focus on the darkness. But let's encourage one another in our walk. Let's encourage one another in our relationships with each other and with our Lord. Let's keep our focus on the light in this world. Jesus, who is doing good things among his people. Even in isolation, we continue to be the partners in ministry. So people, who are you able to talk to about Jesus and talk to about the gospel? And what is God calling? What is God's calling on your life at this time, in this circumstance? Paul was in prison. Yes, that would have been a challenge. And yet he was still joyful in his circumstances. He had a joy that he had partners in ministry. He had a joy because of Jesus and the gospel message. And he knew that there were churches such as Philippi who were partnering with him in this gospel. As tough as things were, God was still at work using his people to partner with him and with one another to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a new world, to different parts of the world, to Europe. Partner together. Share with one another what God is doing in our lives and in our church. Remember the church is not closed. Remember despite our anxieties and difficult circumstances, God still overflows his joy. He overflows his peace. He overflows his amazing grace to each of you. His partners. His people and partners in ministry. To God be the glory. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray together. God, just as Paul prayed, we too pray and give you thanks for your love, your grace, your peace, and the joy. We give you thanks for your church and for being partners in your church. We give you thanks that despite any anxieties or doubts or circumstances that we find ourselves in, that you continue to be our God and that you continue to extend your grace to us. And Lord, that gives us joy 
and that gives us peace in Christ. We thank you and praise you. And Lord, your work on this earth is unfinished, and you call us to partner in your kingdom work. So continue to use us for your purposes and for your kingdom work, even in isolation and with restrictions. And may more and more people come to know you, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, we bring before you those in our congregation and our families and our communities who are struggling physically or emotionally, mentally, financially, or relationally. You know all that's going on in the minds and the bodies and the hearts of your people. Continue to make your presence known to your people, whether there are tests or treatments or recent surgeries or even canceled surgeries or all those impacted by COVID-19 as well. We pray for healing upon your people. We pray for expectant mothers and fathers to be near to them and their unborn children. We pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray for continued comfort and strength for these families. May they sense your nearness and the community of the saints. And you send us out to be your people of grace and hope. And may we be your hands and feet and heart to those who need you. And may we also see Jesus and others as we are sent out. Holy Spirit, continue to work in the hearts of your people and give faith, joy, peace, and hope to all your people. We pray for areas of turmoil in this world. Give strength to people who are in difficult circumstances. We pray for strength and understanding to those in Nova Scotia and with the senseless murders last weekend. Again, we are reminded of sin in this world. We have so many unanswered questions. But again, it is again also reminded that we are all in need of a Savior. Lord Jesus, bring comfort and hope to all those impacted by those murders. We think of wars and terrorism around the globe. We think of people without homes, whether refugees in this world or others in our local communities. Give wisdom to leaders and governments who have the power to make a difference. We pray for North Korea at this time as they're in a state of transition as well. Provide hope and provide practical needs for all your people. Help us to share what is needed. And Lord, you call us to show mercy and love to your people. May, may we not just pray about people, but may our prayers turn into actions in your name. Lord, we thank you that nothing can separate us from your love and help us to be mindful of your amazing grace and your love to be a blessing to your church and others in our communities May your spirit be at work in us as we are sent out today and this week in your name. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.